It's okay. You can clap for them. If you have your Bibles with you, let me invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 24 this morning. I want us to briefly look at what the choir just sang about in God's Word this morning. I want us to see from the Word of God exactly what took place on that day. Uh, Man, did that not get you excited this morning? Choir, what a wonderful, wonderful job you did. Thank you so much. For all the hard work and effort and time that you put into that. And let me just say, if nobody else says it to you, it was worth it. Every bit of it, it was worth it. I thank you so much for that. The Lamb has overcome. And we have reason to celebrate this morning because He is alive. In Luke chapter 24, I want us to see what happened on the third day. We've already talked about it in the last week, if you're here especially. We had the Lord's Supper, and we talked about the death. We talked about what took place on Friday. On Saturday, Christ is in the tomb. They place him in the tomb, and his body lays there, and he stays there. And then on Sunday morning, while we celebrate, while we meet and have church on Sundays, is because that's the third day when they went, and they went to see at the tomb if his body was there. And you have to imagine all of these things that we can't see taking place, all of the spiritual forces, all of the workers of evil, Satan and all the demons, have to be hoping, let him stay there. It's the third day, let him stay in the tomb. Let him not come back to life. Let him be a liar, because I read it earlier from Paul's words, if he stayed in the tomb, If his bones are some ashes in some tomb somewhere today, this is worth it. We should have stayed in the bed this morning. There was no reason to get up and come here. There's no reason for the choir to practice and sing about the risen king if he's still dead, if it's some big hoax. And so all the workers of evil have to hope, let him stay in the tomb. But the glorious truth is he didn't stay in the tomb. He overcame death once and for all. Paul said earlier, he's the first fruits. And that idea is whenever farmers in this day and time, they would get the first fruits of the the garden. And y'all can imagine this. Some of y'all like me and you love a fresh tomato out of the garden. And the first few tomatoes come and, oh, you're so excited about them. But what they would do is they would take the first fruits. And sometimes, if you're a gardener like me, you say, I better eat these pressure ones because everything else might die. (laughs) But they didn't. They would take the first fruits and they would bring it to the temple and give it as an offering. Because they knew this. God, if you've given me this and I'll bring it to you, I know that you'll send more. And the truth is, Jesus Christ coming back to life from the dead was the first fruit. He was the first one that died and God raised back. And it's the promise that there are more to come. All of us, that we won't stay dead, that we will come back to life. And so he's risen from the tomb, but not everybody knows it. So in Luke chapter 24, we're going to see the first few verses when some women are going to see, is he still in the tomb, expecting... That he would be. So Luke chapter 24, 
beginning in verse 1, says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words... And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the rest. Here we see this encounter. We see some women going to the tomb where they knew they took the body of Jesus. Jesus dies on Friday. They ask for the body and they take it to this tomb. And it wasn't a proper burial like, like you would see a lot of times. as a man being taken from a cross and put in somebody else's tomb. And so the women get up early on Sunday, the first day of the week, and they're going and they're taking these spices that they prepared, that they would put on the body. They didn't do embalmings and that sort of thing. So they would put some spices on the body to, to prepare the body for proper burial in this day and time. And so that's what the women are doing. They've got the spices, they've got everything ready, and they're headed to the tomb. And what we see here is an encounter. We see an encounter between these women and some angels, one of which who speaks to them and talks to them. But the main character this morning is not Mary and the women with her, and it's not the angels, but the main character in this story, the main point of this story is somebody that's not there when they get there. The main point of the story this morning, point one, is the women didn't encounter Jesus' dead body. When they get there, they're talking about it on the way. They expect to find Jesus' dead body. They expected him to be there. If you read in Matthew, they're talking, how are we going to roll the stone away? This stone's too big. We can't move it. How are we going to get in there to put the spices on him? And the fact that they took the spices, right? If they thought he was alive, then they wouldn't have taken time to get some burial stuff ready. Right? If I'm coming with flowers to place on your grave, then I'm expecting to find a grave. Right? These women thought that Jesus was going to be dead. They expected to find him. But what we see very clearly from the words of the angel is that Jesus was not there. And it's not because somebody came and took him. He was not there because he was not dead. And live people don't hang out in tombs. Jesus was alive. And it's a huge deal. I cannot overstate how big of a deal it is that Jesus Christ is not dead today. I could go on and on and on, but I wanted to show you this. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read one verse to you from Romans chapter 1. When we're looking there, Paul's telling us about Jesus, and he's telling us about the gospel, and he's explaining all of this. And in verse 4, when he's speaking about Jesus, Paul says this, and was declared, he was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. You see, there are dead people that have been brought back to life. We know the story of Lazarus. But they were brought back to life by Jesus, by the power of God. But here Paul says that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God by his resurrection. 
he would not only have been a liar if he were still dead, but it would have proved that he wasn't the Son of God. The resurrection didn't make him the Son of God, but it proved that he was the Son of God. And now, isn't it a big deal that Jesus is truly the Son of God? Everything that we believe hinges on that fact that he is truly the Son of God, that he's not just a man, that he's not just some other dude, but that he is truly the Son of God. So the women didn't find the body that they expected to find. I want to give you another point from this text this morning, point two. The women did encounter the fulfilled promises of Christ. When they got to the tomb, what they found was some promises that Jesus had made coming true. The angel alludes to this. He makes sure that they understand this. In verse 4, there in Luke chapter 24, it says, While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. And listen to this. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. I love how the angels are very quick, the angels very quick to point out, don't you remember? He told you this is how it was going to happen. You shouldn't have come here expecting his body. He told you the body wasn't going to be here. He told you on the third day he was going to rise from the dead. And I don't want to go on about the women and how they should have remembered that. What I do want to go on about is Jesus fulfilling the promise. He said, I will die and I will rise on the third day. And he died and when they went to the tomb, they saw this promise fulfilled. He did rise from the dead. He did do exactly what he said he was going to do. And why is that such a big deal? Because it reminds us of this, that God always keeps his promises. A tomb with a body in it, a tomb with Jesus' body would have made Jesus and would have made God to be a liar. Would have meant that God had made a mistake somewhere. Would have meant that God couldn't do everything that he says that he's going to do. And if that were the type of God that we serve, then we wouldn't have the type of faith that we have because we'd have to say, well, will this happen or will it not? You remember that one time that he said he was going to do that one thing and it didn't happen, but that's never happened. In all of history, God's never made a promise that he forgot or that he couldn't keep. And this is a reminder of that. Brothers and sisters, Easter isn't just a day to celebrate Jesus' victory over death, but it's a day to celebrate the fact that our God always keeps his promises. And why is that important? I'll give you just a few that are very important to me. Revelation 22:12 says, Behold, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me, and I will give to every man according to what he has done. John chapter 14, verse 3 says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, Jesus speaking, that where I am, you may be also. He's coming back to take us to heaven. Is that important to you? That one's important to me. That's a big promise. Romans chapter 6 verse 4 promises us that if we have followed him in faith, that we don't have to be sinful people, but we can walk with the newness of life and not have to sin and live in the sin that we've always lived in. That's an important one to me. Romans chapter 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are not guilty. 
for those of us that have faith in Jesus Christ for all the sins that we've committed before. And to not have to live guilty in the shadow of guilt of all the things that I've done before is a big promise to me. And if God didn't raise Jesus from the dead, then I can't trust that all these things are true. But he's never lied, and he's never made a mistake. So I trust these with all of my heart, that these are true and that these things are going to take place. So this morning, we celebrate that. It's more important than eggs, and it's more important than bunnies, and it's more important than bright blue coats on preachers and that sort of thing. These promises are proven true this morning as we celebrate together. Our hope of eternal life rests on God keeping his promises. Peace and help in hard times rest on God keeping his promises. Punishment for the wicked so that we don't have to take vengeance into our own hands rests on God keeping his promises. Unconditional love, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, rests on God keeping his promises so it cannot be overstated. How big of a deal that it is that the women didn't find a body when they went to the tomb on the first day. One last thing I want you to see this morning. The women encountered their life's mission when they went to the tomb. They found what they needed to do with the rest of their life when they went to the tomb. It tells us here in this text as we're looking in Luke chapter 24... In verse 9, it says, In returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And Matthew 28, 7 tells us why. It says, the angel speaking says, Come and see. He is not here. He is risen. Come and see. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. The women were told this, Come and see and then go and tell. And that was their life's mission, was to go and tell, to be witnesses of the fact that Jesus Christ is alive, that he was not still in that tomb. And this is what I want us to remember this morning, is that that's our life's mission as well. We can't just come here on Easter and put on pretty dresses and pretty shirts and ties, and we can't just come and hear the choir sing and get excited for 20 minutes And we can't hear the preacher preach and stay awake for just a little bit and act like we're excited on one day and then leave here and do nothing. The women could not go to the tomb and see, wow, Jesus is not here. He kept his promises. He's alive. Let's go have breakfast. Let's just go and act like nothing ever happened. They couldn't. They were changed when they realized that this was true and they went and told the disciples and they told everybody else that they could that he is alive. And brothers and sisters, we have to do the same thing. We have to come here this morning and hear the choir sing so beautifully this truth and hear it from God's word that this is true and we have to get excited and we can't just leave here and act like we don't know this truth. But we have to go and we have to tell We have to tell people, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And then he rose from the dead to promise you that if you have faith in him, that you can live forever. We cannot leave here unchanged. So this morning, I want us to have an opportunity to respond to the truth that we've heard. The truth that we heard sung and the truth that we've heard from God's word. This morning, you might be here, and this is the first time that you really realize 
that this is true. It's not just a story that we make pretty books about and that we try to sell Easter cards with. It's not just a day that we hope to have high attendance at church. Today is a day that we celebrate that Jesus died for our sins. No matter who you are and no matter what you've done, he died for your sins in your place. And then three days later, he kept his promise and came back to life. And what does that mean? That means that you can trust him when he says that if you'll place your faith in him, that he will be your savior and that you'll have eternal life. And this morning, if you realize that for the first time, I pray that in just a moment that you would come and let me talk to you about what that means. You say, I understand this, I believe this, but what do I do next? Where do I go from here? Come and let me talk to you about that. Let us make that public. Let us rejoice with you today that you want Jesus Christ to be your Savior. But I know that there are probably a lot of you here this morning, because this we started at 8 o'clock, and so you got up at... 7 o'clock or 6.30 if you fixed your hair. And you got up that early and came to a church, so I know that a lot of you probably are Christians. A lot of you probably already have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but maybe this morning you come, and maybe for the first time in a while, and you come in here and you heard this truth, and you realize that you have to be like Mary and the other women, that you can't come in here and hear this truth and get this excited And then just leave and go do nothing different. And this morning you realize that you need to dedicate your life to telling what Jesus Christ told us to witness about. And that you need to be more prominent in sharing the gospel with others. And I pray if you would like for me to pray with you about that. If you would like to just ask God to help you to do that. You can use these altars in a moment. You can pray where you'll be standing. But I pray this morning that if God's leading you to do something. If it's something else. If God's leading you to do something this morning, that you would come and share it with me and let me pray with you, or that you would just pray and ask him for the boldness and the strength to do whatever he's calling you to do. But I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to have a time of invitation and response as Brianna leads us in a hymn this morning. Page 